1: Boy, that's quite an intro for you, bro.
2: I, I know people. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hi, yeah, I'm Brian. I'm that guy that he was just talking about, Pastor Rick. Um, <laughs> usually you see me walking around here in a usher's uniform that's way more comfortable for me. Oh, man. Even the second time I'm still nervous. I don't understand. <laughs> um, so early in the week, Pastor RJ texted me and asked me if I would get my encounter testimony. And right away my flesh said, no way, I can't do it. And so actually I, re- I texted him back, I said, I think you got the wrong number. And so uh, of course he texted me back and said, you better ask what the Holy Spirit thinks because uh, I think he's got different plans for you. So I did, I prayed and he was right. The Holy Spirit says you gotta face your fears and come on up here and talk. So here I am. Okay, so the funny thing is the next day, the Bible app, it was Deuteronomy 31.6, it says, so be strong and courageous, and do not be afraid, and do not panic before them. So, and then, uh, <laughs> for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you, he'll neither fail you nor abandon you. So, uh, he's got my back. And uh, so I've been on two encounters. Uh, the first one, after the first one I realized like Pastor AJ says, we need, we need community and we need other, other people and other uh, brothers to be with you. So I joined a, a mentor's group and uh, that was just what I needed because now I have like 20 new best friends. And uh, we're always there for each other. And we, you know, if there's any trouble, we pray and everything for each other. And good times and bad. And then on the second encounter, I realized that I went in there with an open heart and open mind. <laughs> and uh, Sorry. And I needed, wanted to get the most out of it. So after uh, the preaching on the Saturday night, Mike Tomlin did an awesome job. And um, I had the man, Pastor Rick, come over and pray with me. And man, I got n- nailed. The Holy Spirit, <laughs> you might not remember, but I do. <laughs> uh, even... Uh, Another brother was there praying too, and he said before he started, he said, it looked like I was sliding down the wall, like I didn't. And and then afterwards, instead of looking down at me, they had to look up. Whew. So, um, yeah, that really, it really rocked me. Um, So then afterwards, as as you all know, we had to uh, sleep on air mattresses, and that was probably the best night's sleep I've ever had. Um, I don't know if you've heard this before, but, you know, a bad day with Jesus is still better than the best day without him. Amen? Thank
1: Thanks. you. Thank you for sharing. We'll see you on Encounter. Everybody has a unique experience there. The only thing I wanted to... To do before we went to the message today. Last week, my friends, Olu and Toyin had twins, and I told you I'd give you their names later. Oluwa <laughs> fumi. <laughs> Oluwa fumi. Sorry. The Lord has done it for me. That is their son. And their daughter. Oluwa nifimi. The Lord dearly loves me my close <laughs> That's it. <laughs> She's my personal annunciation coach. <laughs> Does a great job. So anyway, we're excited for them. They had twins. I think they were expecting one, and they got two. <laughs> Double portion. Now, how many of you, as we've been going through this emotion series, uh, God has... Uh, lifted the lid off your emotions and you realize that there's a lot of emotion in there that you didn't even know was in there. And you thank us daily for going through this with you. Anyone, your emotions are all over the map lately? Because <laughs> usually when you start talking about stuff that's been stuffed and it starts coming out, all of a sudden it's, it's, it's a little, it's new water, right? You feel like you're Peter walking on the water. And today we're going to be talking about grief and these next couple emotions really... I believe they kind of touch on most of the ones that we've talked about. In other words, we've talked about depression and sadness, and and when you're going through and grieving something, you can experience many different emotions. Grief, I have some definitions here at the beginning. Deep sorrow, anguish, mental suffering or loss, even painful regret. Essentially, everyone's saying normal and natural, emotional reaction to loss or change, okay? And then it creates these conflicting feelings caused by the end of the change in a familiar pattern of behavior. For instance, when you have two people standing at the altar, there's all these feelings of love and excitement and the dreams they have about starting a new life together, but at the same time, there's these conflicting feelings of I'm giving up my independent life. I have to learn to die to myself. I can't be so selfish anymore, right? So there's a grieving process that happens, even though the the benefit can far outweigh what you're facing, there's these things that happen inside of us. Now, each person grieves in their own way and at their own pace or their own timeline. So it's very difficult to put timelines on it because what works for you may not apply to someone else because everyone's unique individual, and they have their own experiences that they're working through. How many know this is true? And in Christ, it's normal and healthy to grieve. Even Jesus grieved. says he was a man of sorrows. We'll come back to that later. But I find that sometimes Christians discourage the grieving process. Yes, we're supposed to have hope. Now, we don't want to embrace grief and stay there but it is something that we need to process and walk through. And I know everybody likes hearing about we have to walk through stuff. Yes, we have to walk through stuff, but God will be right there with you. It's a long, slow road forward. Now, depending on who you read, there's somewhere between five and seven stages that they say when they're talking about grief. And I've broken them down to five that I want to talk to you about today. And, and I think it's important that you... Bear with me while we lay the foundation for this so I can show you at the end where the Scriptures show us the way of hope and how we can look to the cross to help us walk through this. The first thing that usually people experience when they're grieving something, and it's not always just in the context of death, which is the first thing we think of. There's there's over 40, I've seen lists of 45 things or 75 things that people grieve. There's many things that we can grieve having to do with change in position or loss of relationship. We'll talk about some of those. But the first thing that we go through is shock and denial. We become numb. I think this is just a human defense mechanism so that we can handle the pain, at least the initial pain that we experience when there's loss that takes place. And it kind of protects us from being too overwhelmed all at once. And I'll say this, and hopefully my wife will be able to explain it a little bit more in a few minutes. There's no right or wrong order for this. I just put them in order because I have to talk about them. But sometimes these all come at once, and sometimes they come one at a time, and sometimes you loop back to one that you think you've already walked through. So there's not really a, a predefined process for grieving. The second one is pain and guilt. When the shock wears off, people often replace it with this unbelievable pain and suffering. And sometimes it feels unbearable as you're walking through this, but we know that God's grace is sufficient for us, and it's really important that we don't run to things like alcohol or drugs to just drown the pain. I am really working on a message on suicide that we will deliver at some point next year. I keep putting it off because I want to make sure that it's really well written But if you talk to a parent whose child has taken their own life, often they're feeling very guilty. But guilt has to do with transgressing the law or breaking the law or intending harm towards someone. But if I was to ask those same parents that are experiencing guilt, did you intend harm on your child, I think 100% of the time they would say, why would I wish harm on my child? So I think sometimes emotions get a little bit confused and we think it's this one, but it's a different one that's coming up. We don't have to feel guilty. Which leads to the next portion where we get angry and we start to bargain. And we start asking all these questions about why. And what ifs. What if I did this? Or what if this happened? Or what if I did this different? That's very normal to ask questions. It's important that while we're asking the questions, we make sure that we try to keep this under control because I've seen it do a lot of damage in relationships. In fact, when parents lose a child, it's very stressful in the marriage, and often you'll see even the marriage will break up because of the stress, of the pain, of the loss. And we often make rash decisions when we're angry or bargaining at this point. You know, I'll never drink again. Well, that's probably a good thing to do, not get drunk again. You know, that's, that's wisdom. But your motive for concluding that shouldn't be grief. It should be your desire to live a righteous life. Sometimes you isolate yourself on purpose, and we have to remember we need community. There's depression phase where we feel depressed we feel isolated we feel alone sometimes this is where you really feel the magnitude of your loss and often this isn't in the initial phases of grief and this is where other christians will come to you and say come on get over this and you're like but i'm just trying to walk through it and work through it day by day and that's okay we work through it we continue walking in the direction of the cross where there's hope And ultimately, it leads us to a place of acceptance and hope. I'm not a firm believer that it gets better. I think it just gets different. And we resolve that we're going to start moving forward with hope that in the future we get to be with Christ. Everyone's looking for the magic pill sometimes, but there's no magic pill. When someone's gone, they're gone. When the situation is changed, the situation is changed. You can't go back and fix it. You have to resolve that you're going to accept what is, and you're going to start making decisions. I can move forward. In that, I want to talk about this for a second. Sometimes we confuse our emotions because we feel that if I stop grieving this individual or this situation, then maybe I don't love them anymore. But that's not an accurate reflection of truth. Because it's normal and natural to grieve, but we walk through the grief and then we start moving forward, understanding that they're not going to be a part of our journey except in memory. And it doesn't mean that you love them less when you move forward. And sometimes people get stuck for the rest of their life because they can't take steps forward because they feel guilty about moving forward. Come on up, Mary. There's lists of things that people grieve, and one of the main ones that people grieve is death. And I've asked my wife to come, and she's gonna share On the concept of death and grieving.
0: Good morning everybody. So how many of you know and understand that uh, God's ways are not our ways? And in order for us to really truly understand that that God's ways are not our ways, we have to make a choice that it's not my way, it's God's way. And But God's way, seemingly in everything in the kingdom of heaven, is completely opposite to the way we do things here on earth. Because the only way to receive life in God's kingdom is to give your life away. The only way that we really receive is by giving, not keeping. And the thing that we have to understand as well, also, is that doubt has to be present in unbelief in order for you to battle and work your way through and journey through to faith. It's there. God's not afraid of your questions. He's got all the answers. You take your doubt, your unbelief to him. He's not afraid of that. And then that's your journey to great faith. Amen? The only way that we get through and have that incredible truth Testimony is by, we have to go through the test and walk through something difficult. So, in the same respect, we have loved, loved deeply. So, in the same vein, you will grieve deeply. They can't exist apart from each other. Because you have loved with your heart deeply, you will grieve with your heart deeply. And that's okay. Grief is not intellectual. It's not logical. There's no formula like Pastor Argy was saying. There's no order to all of the things that you're going to go through or not go through. It's emotional. It's a heart thing. How many of you have ever heard the platitude or the saying... Time heals all wounds. How many of you believe it? That's good. It's wise. Because time does not heal all wounds. But hope does. The hope. Hope is the ointment, the balm, the salve that brings comfort that can bring healing into the places of brokenness in our heart that time cannot. Psalm 147.3 says, He, Jesus, heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Psalm 34.17 and 18, The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Many people will walk their whole life full of bitterness and sadness and depression and sorrow and anxiety because of a life event that changed everything. Emotions are from our heart, and there's no way to get around them. But the Bible is very clear about guarding our heart. The Bible is also very clear that we are not to be led by our emotions. How many of you have heard you have to follow your heart? How many of you believe that? Because that's not true either. You need to lead your heart. The Bible tells us every thought, every word, the feeling, we have to lead into the captivity of Christ. We lead it to the place. See, the most amazing thing, here another paradox, crazy, crazy, amazing thing, about how the how you lead you guard your heart is by the full and complete surrender of the feeling of that what you are experiencing in your heart to the place of jesus christ at the cross god is not saying not to have that emotion God is not saying it's wrong to be sad, it's wrong to grieve because you have loved deeply, you grieve deeply. God's not asking you to bury any emotion. He's asking you to experience it to the fullest with him. With him walking by your side, pouring the hope, the balm, the comfort, the healing into your heart as you walk the journey with Him. Amen? In my life, I've had the experience of having different journeys of grief based on my relationships with the individual. And In my first experience that I had with grief was the very sudden death of my baby brother, Andrew, who passed away suddenly uh, from epilepsy, and from a seizure in his sleep. And that was a shock. That was very sudden um, loss for, for myself, for our whole family. And how I many you know there are some moments in your life that you remember you want to forget them, but they are there. They are not going away. <laughs> to the point where though the memory of those moments, the intensity of that moment, the emotion of that moment is so real. You remember it 20 years later. Even preparing and praying for this message walking through asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say, Lord? The intensity of that moment when RJ had to share with me and come and tell me about the death of my brother was very real still. And the intensity of that moment, the feelings of that moment, the fear in that moment that gripped me. And sometimes we have to understand that walking through those very difficult times Sometimes it's not day by day. It's literally moment by moment. And that when you think you have no more tears to cry and just from sheer exhaustion you fall asleep only to wake up and in this, for a split second thinking was this a dream? No. Nope. It's really real. This is happening. And sitting on the edge of your bed physically in so much pain, it hurt to breathe because you were grieving that loss. And that's okay. But at the same time, reaching out to Jesus saying, God, if you don't help me to take the next breath right now, I just don't know what I'm gonna do. And He's faithful. He does. And when you ask Him for the next breath, He does. And the next moment, He does. Because the very real reality is that if you don't give room to acknowledge the grief and the feeling and the sorrow, to experience them in a healthy way with Jesus, when you go through that in an unhealthy way, that is the way that you make room and provision for mental illness and processing in an unhealthy way because it affects the way You process and reason in your brain. We have to be careful of those things because even though emotion is from the heart, the way we process that emotion in our brain is very important because there are very real and physical responses that our body has through all of them. And we have to know where we take them. They're not wrong, but we bring them and we acknowledge them to the cross of Christ. We acknowledge those things. The next time in my life where I experienced loss was in the death of my grandparents, my Jiddu and my Siddhu. But in that loss, they were, my Jiddu was 85 and my Siddhu was 90. And yes, I loved them deeply and I will miss them, but it was, they lived a good life, a long life. Wow, the memories we had and the gathering around the table to talk and laugh about what things that would do or things you would say and just the, the things they taught us and the atmosphere and the mood was, yes, it was sadness, but it was lighthearted because we had so much in memories to share and to laugh and to love and they left us with legacy. but it was in my very last experience with grief and the death of my father, that God really, really did a deep, deep transforming work in my heart and really gave me the revelation of the work of the cross and the reality, really the reality of heaven. Because we have to really, really get a hold of this as Christians that this is but a vapor. This fades away. This will disappear. But God, our hope has provided a place for us in heaven where our hope is forever. The reality, our reality is not supposed to be here. Our reality is in heaven. He has seated us there in heavenly places with him. My father was sick with cancer. And he died, thankfully, through God's mercy from a short battle. But in that time, because as God had been taking me through this journey, I was very real with the Lord. And surrendering all of my feelings that were coming up, my thoughts, my emotions... my disappointment at realizing that I was not grieving a deep love for my father. Because truly, there wasn't a deep love for him. But it was grieving the dream, the longing, and the intense desire of a love I wish I would have had from my father. And that I had to bury that, that I would never get it. and I was grieving that loss. But God, because he's just so awesome and he never ceases to amaze me, I marvel at what God can do with our heart, my heart, when I give it to him fully and I am honest and I surrender it all. At the same time, simultaneously, as I'm grieving that loss, God asked me, you may not have got that love from your father but will you be willing to show him that love that you didn't get would you be willing to love him in the midst of this and out of that God opened my heart so big to a heart of compassion for my father like I never knew and the ability by God's grace only by his grace to be able to forgive him fully for what he had done only because of God but only because I was real and I surrendered that over to him and said, God, this is what I'm feeling and leading my heart to the place where it needed to be to find hope and healing. In that place, God was able to show me and give me such peace that I'd never known before. My father was not born again. And so I got a call from Pastor Rick one day. And he had told me, I just prayed with your dad. He received the Lord. And such an overwhelming peace came over me in that moment. Because immediately the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, your father is going to be coming home to be with me soon. And I was, I know, Lord. I know it would be shortly after. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you don't need to hang on and hang on to that picture of a father that was supposed to, with open arms, love you and find a place of safety and warmth and strength in his arms here on earth because he's a new man now in heaven with me. And when you get to heaven, your father, as the new man, he's gonna be there with open arms for you, as the new man and the father you've always wanted. So you hang on to that hope, that when you get to heaven, your dad is this man. And when you're missing him, this is the one that you're gonna miss. This is the dad that you miss, because I've transformed him into a new man, and he'll be there with open arms to love you. Amen.
1: The next thing we wanna talk about, I told you there's many things we grieve, but sometimes marriages blow up. Sometimes friendships and relationships, they dissolve. And one of the things we have to keep in mind in this process is we grieve that when that happens. And we know that selfishness is a good indication that marriage is not going to be too successful. Unhealed hearts are big contributors. They're not the only things. But you can only own your part and start moving forward. But there needs to be a season of healing and restoration in your life. Too many people get to the point of grieving where they're feeling pain and they jump into another relationship thinking it's going to mask the pain. And it does for a season, and then it blows up again, which is why we encourage people to walk through a season of singleness first, walk through a season of healing. You know, too many single people, they go outside of God's order and outside of God's design, and they start becoming living like they're married when they're single. And then when the relationship fails, it's so much harder for them to walk beyond it because they've made some connections that God never intended for them to make because they're living outside of God's order. When you have friendships and the relationships dissolve, I I tell people I had to break relationship with several friends over the years. One of my friends liked to borrow a lot of money. He didn't like paying it back. He also wanted me to sell things that I didn't want to sell. Contraband. (laughs) So I had to sit him down and say, I don't want to, I'm going to have to take a step away. We can't hang out no more. But the reason for, and you know what? You go through a season of isolation. You go through a season of loneliness when you're trying to reestablish your connections. That's normal to grieve the loss of a relationship. Sometimes you can lose your job. Or on the other side of that, you can get promoted, or your role at work changes. And then all of a sudden, the familiar relationships and routines that you have are changing. And everything looks different. And we go through this grieving. You have these conflicting feelings within you. Again, grief at change or loss. I have a verse I want to read to you Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, and festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they'll be like great oaks the Lord has planted for his own glory. See, if you were to read the Beatitudes, you'd see Jesus, he starts out, blessed are the poor in spirit, and then he goes to, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Isn't that Matthew 5, 3, 3, 4? I was reading one of the commentaries on this. Actually, his name is Jameson Fawcett Brown, and it's not a commentary that I refer to too often, but I really liked what the commentary wrote, so I copied it, and I'm going to read it to you right now. The mourning must not be taken loosely. This is Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn. For the feeling which is wrung from men under pressure of the ills of life, nor strictly for sorrow on account of committed sins. Evidently, it's an entire feeling of which the sense of spiritual poverty begets. So that the second beatitude is but a complement of the first. The first is the intellectual aspect, the second being the emotional. At the end of the day, I am undone. It's the mourning for our sinfulness and our transgression of God's law that positions us so that we can um, receive comfort. He goes on a little bit later and says, religion according to the Bible is neither a set of intellectual convictions nor a bundle of emotional feelings. It's a compound of both. And see, when we're dealing with grief, it's not just intellectually processing, it's emotionally processing. And that's why we've been talking about emotions because the two have to blend together. There's some things we can intentionally do, but then you have to feel your way through it being led by the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna stop there because we also grieve innocence lost and children grieve and I think Mary's going to talk about that a little bit more.
0: The innocence lost that Pastor RJ, I think, is referring to is the innocence that was lost that was taken from you. You didn't give that away. And I had to work through that and surrender that to God and grieve that innocence that was taken because I didn't give it. And we also have to understand that children grieve and can't even put a word to what they're feeling. They are so filled and overwhelmed with a storm of emotion inside and filled with life circumstances That happened to them that many times they have no control over. And they are grieving. And often cannot put words to what they're feeling. So it's very important for us, if you are an adult and a caregiver, and you're walking through these situations with children and young people, that we are providing that safe place with open arms because many times children act out out of what they're feeling and behaviors come out. And in those moments, it's really important that we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit when he says correction is not needed here, but they need a hug. They need you to open up your arms and let them feel the strength and the comfort and the love of your embrace. Let them hear the peace that can come through your voice as you whisper in their ear that they're loved, that they're special, that you're here for them, that you also can help them and give them language to put to the emotion that they're feeling and help them sort it out, that we're telling them, I'm a safe place, because Jesus is our safe place, and that Many times we have to also recognize that we don't have all the answers for them. So we have to point them to the way, the way, the one who knows the way. We can't be Jesus for them. So we have to point them and show them the way to Jesus because they need to find their Savior too. You can't be the Savior. You can't be Jesus. You have to help them. Many times children in our lives, actually all the time, They have borrowed faith from us. But then there comes a point where your children have to own their faith. It can't be borrowed anymore. And that's a journey that they have to walk through, but they walk through it much better in a place of safety, where it's okay to have doubt and questions and unbelief, because that's their journey on the way to finding faith. And it's their journey on the way to processing grief and teaching them that they don't have to be led by how they're feeling and act out of those feelings but we teach them that they can lead their heart to the one who knows how to take care of their heart and it's in a safe place amen
1: why don't you stand with us and if you didn't have a chance to grab a communion element the ushers can get you one i'm going to read for you Isaiah 53, 3 and 4. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But the truth is, it was your sin and my sin that Jesus went to the cross for. And every time that we break his law, we break his heart. And he grieves for the lost. We need to see people through the same eyes that Christ sees people. And when people hurt each other and do terrible things to one another, when people lie and harm others and abuse one another and mistreat one another. God grieves. There's horrible things that happen all over our planet. I don't attribute those things to God. My Bible tells me the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I'm not sure where you sit on your personal journey of grief but it, none of us are immune to it. You've all had to walk through something, and some of you might be walking through something right now. Or some of you didn't know you needed to grieve your childhood lost. Some of you didn't know what's driving that deep-rooted anger inside you that's creating some resentment. But you've never grieved. You've never let it go. You've never walked through the process. You tried to stop it and stop it. But you need to lay it down at the cross. And we want to open our altar. If you're walking on a journey of grief and you'd like to come down and partake of the Lord's Supper with us, I'll encourage you. Come out of your chairs and join us. There's an anointing present to help you today, to strengthen you, so that you can overcome and you can stay strong in the process. It's okay. Don't be shy. Come down and join us. And I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you that you are for us, not against us, and that in you we find true hope. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You understand what we're going through. You are human. My Bible even tells me that Jesus wept. And we know that it's okay to go through stuff, There's nothing wrong with the process. And help us, Lord, to release the pain. We want to give it to you right now. And we trust that you're right there with us, Holy Spirit, as we take each step on this journey day by day and moment by moment. God bless you all. We'll see you next time.